Welcome to the Brave New Workforce. I'm Larry Cornette, and I'm joined by my intrepid co-host Trip Odell and Anna Codina. How are you guys doing? Hi, I'm doing good, but look at Trip over here. <laughs> Trip's in the I'm, closet. I am reporting from my closet, sitting in my eight-year-old's chair. <laughs> literally, literally. I'm still surrounded by boxes. Literally. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah. First a garage, now a closet. I don't know. Are you upgrading, downgrading? I can't decide. <laughs> I start. I started with the bathroom, but there was too much of an echo. Yeah, that is true. All that porcelain. Started from the bathroom, and now we're here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now we're here. Now we're directly here. to our next guest. Always it taking does. us out of the gutter, Anna. Thank you, Anna. So, we, yes, we have a very interesting guest today who has founded a startup that is addressing one of the issues we've discussed in a past show. And that's the problem of working at home for the long haul, because guess what? We're all still at home and we may never go back. Her name is Amina Moreau, and she's literally one of the busiest people I think I've ever met. (laughs) She's the founder and co-founder of numerous companies, some active, some that she's you know, trying to step away from. Uh, One that we're going to talk about is Radius, which is like an Airbnb, but for office space. Float, which is helping small business owners survive the pandemic, and that's something we've talked about a lot on this show. Um, a film production company, a storytelling consulting firm, a music licensing and production company. And then on top of all that, she's a hardcore tennis player who competes. So uh, I'm glad you're able to make time for us today. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Amina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I will say I do not wear the busyness as a badge of honor, I'm not one of those people that goes around advocating for never having free time. There is a way to find balance. I don't have there that right go. now. At, not right at this second, <laughs> but I know that it's possible. It is. It is. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, I was feeling kind of bad for showing up. Uh, you know, it, it it's a little intimidating how much you've you've you, how many how many fingers you <laughs> and pies you have. I mean, we have on. like one job, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> One, two, two and a half. Maybe it's two a sickness. <laughs> I don't know how to not do it. It's I think I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. It wasn't in my life plan at all. But when you have an idea and you think it's a good one and that you that it might help people, it's hard not to go after it. So, yeah, uh, my, it's been a fun journey. My problem is I'll have an idea every 10 minutes and then decide that I need to do this. But then I'm like, oh, wait, I don't actually have the calendar space to do it. And I'm only doing two companies. But you buy the domain. So you have 50 domain names. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all have 150 domain names. Yeah. 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 I'm having that (laughs) struggle right now because I got a notification (laughs) that it's time to renew this one domain for an idea that I haven't done yet. And do I want to spend the money on this thing that I'm probably not going to get to for 10 years at least? I just let two go today and I was like, okay, okay. I've been sitting on these for 10 years. Just let them go. It's it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So I know I kind of just scratched the surface, believe it or not, everybody, of uh, who Amita is. So why don't you share a little more about yourself and your background with our listeners? Sure. Well, so my background from the education standpoint is in psychology. And I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick and how people make decisions. And at first, when I decided to go into filmmaking straight out of school, 
I didn't really, it kind of felt like, well, what did I go to school for if I'm doing this completely separate thing that has nothing to do with psychology? Uh, but I was a kid and I didn't really have a whole lot of foresight. And it wasn't until a few years in how much I realized that, that psychology and storytelling are almost synonymous. And whether you're using storytelling for marketing purposes or telling a great story at a dinner party back when dinner parties were a thing. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, those. <laughs> right, those. Uh, Zoom calls, what we're doing right now, storytelling is applicable everywhere, everywhere. And I feel like it's one of the most efficient vehicles for social change. Because well, at the end know, of the day, it's about changing ideas and, and, and maybe not changing ideas, but connecting people to new ideas. Were you going to so, say something? Yeah, I was going to say something, but you know, you're such a great storyteller. You, you put in that <laughs> beat and uh, these guys know well enough. If you give me a break, I jump in. So I'm sorry true, for interrupting because it's a great story in it. And it, I think actually makes perfect sense. I mean, You've had so many jobs and so many endeavors. There's going to be some overlap, I think, with most people you've met. But like for me, you know, I came from uh, an education background and sort of development and cognitive psychology uh, with media. And storytelling is a big part of what I've done in my career uh, and also uh, a big part of what I do in this current part of my career as an executive in a startup where we're going out to potential uh, investors and we have to tell them what our vision is. We have to tell them where we're going and where we've been and how it all fits together because at the end of the day, they don't care about your unit economics right now. They care about right. what your unit economics are going to be at some point in the future. So, <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's fantastic that to see somebody who's creative and has generated this many opportunities and is connected in this many ways to what's happening in in our culture right now yep yep a, an investor friend of mine who has been instrumental in my journey especially in the last few months um said you know as a as a founder as as somebody involved in a startup at that executive level you have to be a time traveler you need to go into the future see what's there, and then come back and tell everybody about it and why it's so wonderful and how you're going to lean into that and also usher people into that really exciting future. So, and, and storytelling is a huge, huge part of that. So, so storytelling has been huge in the businesses that I've created that were directly tied to storytelling, like the production companies and music licensing and, and, you know, consulting and things like that. But this new endeavor, uh, on the office space side of things, it is a bit of a departure from the storytelling kind of traditionally, but storytelling is going to be a huge component of that. Like you're saying, Trip, about not just engaging with investors, but engaging with the whole community on this huge cultural shift that we're just on the ground floor of. So you and I connected on Chris Hurd's post on LinkedIn. And Chris, Chris Hurd is probably one of the most prolific people on social media. <laughs> and, uh, beating the, the remote work drum, obviously. He posts 
hundreds of times a day at least. And so we got to a little bit of a conversation about you know, the benefits of working from home. And he's a big fan, obviously. But there's a lot of stuff coming out. I just saw another report today that people are working more hours than ever. You know, they're feeling disconnected. They're a little stressed. And we've talked about this with some past folks that it's not always easy to work at home. If you have a small apartment, you have kids, you have pets, you have whatever. So, I mean, th- was that the genesis of Radius is that you were experiencing this or maybe some people you work with were going through these struggles? Yes, but also it's that I'm an Airbnb host. So the platform that we're building is kind of like an Airbnb, but for home office space. And the idea for that came from the fact that in the middle of 2020, our revenue as an Airbnb host just tanked. And so we started thinking, well, could we mitigate that by converting our space to a really awesome office? And if we did that, would people that were working from home that maybe needed to escape uh, just to be more focused or to avoid that burnout, would they benefit from that? And we were just talking about it as a family and we're like, well, if this could help us both as hosts, but also as people that are working from home, well, could it help like our neighbor next door? And what about their neighbor and their neighbor? And that's really where the idea was born. It was, it was that's both cool. sides, nice. which is kind of exciting. You know, it's funny. You know, I, when I was running my startup, a few years ago, um, we had a small team, like five of us total, but we were distributed, one in Portland, which I think is where you are, one in Seattle, a couple of us uh, in the Bay Area. And so we would rent Airbnbs in different cities and all come together and, and live in the Airbnb for a week and work together. So it was kind of a hybrid of using it to live there during that week, but also as an office. So I can totally see this this need for this because like you said, I mean, you need this space, but an Airbnb is often a little bit of overkill for that. Like, I don't need a big kitchen and all, you don't need a shower and all that kind of stuff, but I do need a space with good Wi-Fi and a place I can feel comfortable. And I know a big part of what you've been talking about is feeling safe. So that's been one of the most important things because I know the shared office spaces, especially now, don't feel real safe when there's other people around. So I noticed that you called out a lot of um, the precautions that the hosts take to make the space safe. And maybe you want to talk about that a little bit, because I think that's probably, that was the first thing that popped into my head is like, how does this keep me safe if I'm going yeah. into someone's home? But you've you've done some things, I think, to mitigate that. Yeah, it's a huge focus, at least in the short term. I'm hoping it's the short term that <laughs> the pandemic gets under control soon. And I think that I think it will. I'm optimistic that it will. But, you know, let's say tomorrow you need a really great office space and, you know, you've got an important presentation or something like that. Not only will you be able to search by, you know, the obvious variables like your location and stuff like that, but also based on not just how fast the Wi-Fi is for downloads, but also for uploads. Is, Is it Ethernet or is it wireless is at Wi-Fi, but more, maybe even more importantly, right now, you'll be able to search by things like HVAC filter. You'll be able to search by whether it's a standalone building in somebody's backyard, or if it has a separate entrance, or if it's a room in someone's house. So that based on your 
personal risk tolerance when it comes to this virus, you can make decisions based on that and based on your business needs. And so I feel like in the short term, safety is, I mean, it's just necessary. It's just the right thing to do. It's, I think it's, it's from a business perspective, it's smart as well. But at the end of the day, I want to create a company that keeps people safe. And during a pandemic, uh, I think we have to be extra responsible. Now, in the medium to long term, as the safety concern dissipates and we can be together, I'm looking forward to opening it up and maybe having co-working. Like right now, if you book one of these spaces, you're booking it to be alone or you're booking it to be with a trusted co-worker or confidant and you're in a pod and you trust each other to be responsible. But at the, you know, six months from now, you know, fingers crossed that everything is starting to get back to maybe not quite normal, but a new normal where we can be together. <laughs> great, we great. can't, we don't have to be lonely anymore. I'd like to think that people could be renting these spaces to be together, to have yeah. that sense of community and camaraderie and collaboration. Because we're hearing that productivity is actually up. It's not, you know, people might be suffering a little bit, but productivity is up. That's right. But I've seen reports mm -hmm. that innovation is down. And my hope is that platforms like this address the innovation side because productivity being up, I think that's short-lived. People are going to start feeling burnout. They're going to need some separation between life and work. And if this can be a means to do that while also giving people a social outlet at the same time, but with a strong focus on productivity in a healthy way, sign me up. <laughs> I'm excited for this. Well, one, I mean, you mentioned that that innovation and that productivity aspect to it. And I can't help but notice uh, you're probably the most per put together person in terms of their video presence I've ever seen online. Like she, she, you're, she you're, knows your branding. Back, she your knows branding. Background is on point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can't see, I can't tell if it's a green screen or a drop behind it. You've got your key light going like it, it, you look like a Skype commercial, right? Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, but I think the reason that I bring that up is that Larry and I do a lot of executive coaching and yeah. we give guidance like, don't do your interview from the closet, right? Yeah, I was like, about to say, Trip. Uh, I was about to say, Trip. Are you practicing oops. that advice? Yeah. Oops. Uh, oh, plumber sure. with leaky Good. pipes. Right. Uh, you know, make sure that your dogs and kids are put away and that they're, you're isolated because you really want to have that. And right. having been on the other side of it, Larry and I have worked in big tech companies. And when I was at Amazon, candidate experience was a high, high, uh, uh, like priority. Yeah. And if you can't bring them on site, could you make that candidate feel like I'm changing venue? I'm going to have the right connection. I'm going to have the right audio. I'm going to have the right video. And I'm going to feel like I've been given my best shot. I'm going to do a whiteboarding exercise and they're going to be able to see and collaborate with me. And it's not something janky like blue jeans. I mean, those are, right. those are, that's a good those point. Are th yeah. Those are things that I think there's a ton of potential for the, how that space can evolve. Yeah. And and speaking of Chris Hurd and his company, First Base, that's why I'm so excited about making those connections because he's providing 
a, a service that's going to help people yeah. work remotely. I think that there are a lot of people in that digital space that are trying to make collaboration remotely more smooth and more enjoyable. And I'm really looking forward to creating kind of an ecosystem so that it's not just about office space where you can focus, but there's there's more to it than that. And it feels kind of more comprehensive. And I think to your point about feeling empowered to do your best work, I think that there's a real argument there for employers too, right? We could just go and book a space as needed and pay out of pocket, but I'm really excited about the idea of employers making the leap on their team's behalf because yeah, that's a good it's, idea. it's about employee engagement. And when your employees feel invested in and are given the tools to do their best work, now you don't have to worry about retention quite so much, about turnover costs. And you can also expand your talent pool across the globe and and yep. not have to like micromanage and worry that people aren't getting the work done and spy on them in various creepy ways that we're seeing come out right now. There's just this increased level of trust all around. And I, I can only see positive economic arguments for that. Yeah, Anna's actually in Costa Rica. So in working for a client who's sent her, I think they sent you a laptop but I don't think other equipment, right? It was just the laptop. Is that correct? Yeah, they sent me a laptop. And uh, yeah, receiving that was a very <laughs> fun adventure in itself. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we make it work it's despite the weird shipping um, across the globe. And I feel like the pandemic has only accelerated the openness uh, in borders um, when it comes to things like that. But there, there's, yeah, I mean, I just see, the, like, it's such a brilliant idea. Like, like what, where, where do you see it going from here beyond just sort of the, the ad hoc space? Because I think, like, event planners, conference planners have been doing this sort of thing. For, they rent a venue. They rent the right equipment. They have the right AV in place. And sort of doing that as a microcosm, it is, it's the same play that Airbnb has done with hotels, right? Is that it's really making it bespoke and personalized and you have a concierge type experience with a host. Um, I think, I think like, where have you seen, you now how, how many locations do you have in your network? We are at the beginning of expanding into multiple geographies. So by the time we go live with this broadcast, the number will be different than it is right now because we're expanding very quickly. Um, but what I can say about like how I see this evolving and like where it, where I see it going in terms of that like ad hoc versus, um, versus more kind of continuous use is that post pandemic, people are estimating that about 30% of the workforce is not going back to normal, back to the traditional office 100% of the time. So if that 30% is either working remotely all the time or working through hybrid models, there, there's a real opportunity to develop lasting relationships with the locations, these remote locations that they're working in. I think that some employees are going to want a space that they can go to anytime, five days a week, seven days a week, if they, if they need to. And if we can, if we can 
tell a host who otherwise in the middle of the winter would have been losing money because their short-term rental was seasonal and it doesn't get a whole lot of business in January because people don't travel as much in January in certain climates. If we can tell that person, now you have guaranteed income for X number of months, seven days a week, then not only does that help the host, not only does that provide a great working space for an employee at your company, but it, I think, opens up an opportunity for a trusted relationship between that employee and the host. And, 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 and there's so much value that comes from that that sense of community and that sense of customization, customization on the individual uh, side of things. But then also, I feel like this solution is going to give employers greater control and flexibility over their real estate than they ever have had before. Because before they were signing leases for five or 10 years that were set in stone, regardless of what happened with their workforce or how their company pivoted. And now, month to month, you can just make changes and have it be fully customizable. I don't think anyone has had something like that before. So what I'm hearing is, um, it's very interesting, but on a competitive level, what you're doing is uh, potentially competing with, you know, co-working spaces or even Airbnb. I mean, for me, I can see this is quite an easy pivot for Airbnb to open up their spaces yeah. with hosts. Um because they already have the marketing and the brand awareness, um, how have you been? Th- how have you navigated that, or have you thought about that? If they just to announce three months from now, oh yeah, you can change the space from a vacation rental into a co-working space mm-hmm. uh, and provide that option. Yeah, it's a very good question. It's definitely something we thought a lot about. The thing about Airbnb is that they have a very strong brand. And first of all, I am sure that they have had discussions about that already. But we haven't seen them do it yet. And you've got to ask, well, why haven't they pulled the trigger on that? And my my theory on it is that their brand is known for travel, for accommodations, for overnight stays, for experiences and work is secondary to their brand. They do have a, uh, a, a work sort of sub brand, but it's still centered around accommodations. And I see them taking a leap like this to actually ask their, um, to ask their host to convert to an office that would actually take away from their main business. Uh, and it would muddy their message. It would muddy their brand. Now, I do see them pushing the digital nomad angle and, and promoting the idea that if you can afford to travel, go to Costa Rica <laughs> and work from an Airbnb, maybe a month or two at a time, go do that. But that's a different value proposition than what Radius is offering. And Larry, like you were saying before, it might be overkill to have a big kitchen and five bedrooms or whatever it is, especially if you're not even sleeping there. To, To piggyback off of that point also, 
an Airbnb might have a desk, but if it's not optimized for productive work, then is it actually a better solution than what you already have at home? What we want to do yeah. is prioritize the work part and then accommodations might be secondary. Yeah, I agree. I think the configuration's completely different. And I think that's going to be hard for a host to say, oh, do I completely give up on being an Airbnb rental for vacations to become office? Because like you said, you kind of have to go all in because just throwing a little desk in the corner you got at Goodwill isn't going to be sufficient for somebody who wants to work there every day. So adjust the Unless question. <laughs> so adjust the question. Sorry, trip. <laughs> um, adjust the question a little bit then and think about perhaps not Airbnb, but a place like WeWork or Equivalent where they're already in this space. What is the space you're making, does, Trip? Does, Do you we want work to say does WeWork still exist? <laughs> well, not WeWork, I, but you I, know. I, I cannot, I, I can't talk about that topic because I, I have some familiarity with that particular company. Uh, so, but the, uh, right. um, and I can probably say that uh, Amina is in good shape where WeWork is concerned. Uh, so, so, so the, the, but I think like to your point, Larry and Anna, it is different, right? It's not, it's not a, it's not a copy and paste. And it is, it does seem interesting and special. Like, you know, you can have corporate offsites and that sort of thing where you go, you know, it's cool that everybody's staying in a yurt, but like having crappy AV is not, is never cool, right? Like not having the amenities to do your best work and for something that's tailored to that. And there's a ton of cost on the upfront to actually make a space well suited for 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 so i think that's a it's an interesting yeah. product market fit yeah yeah and one thing i will say is that we're not asking airbnb hosts to necessarily convert entirely because that might not be in their best interest they might want to just supplement their short-term rental overnight stays with office space as well. So we don't necessarily want ask want to ask people to choose one over the other. But we do want to stress that these workspaces have to be awesome. They have to be really really great and so it can't just be an afterthought. So how do you maintain quality with that? That's always I mean I've worked in some crowdsource and some resource sharing businesses. And it's it's easier to do at the beginning than it is at the end, as as Airbnb has learned the hard way and Uber has learned the hard way. Like there's there's so have 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 you thought through that? Like how how do you set the bar and maintain that kind of bar for what a quality work experience feels like? Well, one thing that I've learned just from talking to countless hosts is that people really love to feel like they are they're being guided in the right decision making. So first and foremost, we want to lead the conversation about what quality looks like. Give really strong examples and make it easy for people to make the right decisions that will help them generate revenue on the host side, but also create a really great experience on the guest side. But moving forward, when, especially as we scale, there's, there's a lot to be learned actually from the Airbnb ratings model. And there's, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, so I will 
just kind of sum up my thoughts. But the rating system seems to be a critical component of building trust through these kinds of platforms. And there are some significant downsides. And people do not like being ruled by a star system. And so we have to be explicitly aware of that in the way that we design ours. And I think we are going to design ours differently than what is out there. But there is a lot of confidence in these ratings and these reviews. And it's a, a way of keeping each other and ourselves accountable to being really great hosts and also being really great guests. And, you know, the, the last thing that I'll cap that off with also is that from the guest side and the quality, not just of the office, but also of the person that's working there, because you have to trust them too, is that my argument is that working professionals are maybe just a little bit more trustworthy than a random traveler that wants to crash at your place. Sure. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I know that when we rented Airbnbs, they're always happy to hear that we are business travelers. Uh, they're, they're like, okay, yeah. so you're business travelers. You're probably not going to throw a huge party. It's like, right. yeah, we're not. Yeah. We're always tired. We have no time As, for parties. Yeah, but especially right now, <laughs> parties. <laughs> yeah, oh, my especially. goodness. Like, that's terrifying yeah. for people. And I know a lot of hosts that have refused to host because that's what they're Absolutely. afraid of most. It's, it's really... It's interesting because there's been a ton of controversy because, you know, I don't think everybody realizes that a place like Airbnb, it's a two-sided marketplace and that the hosts have a lot of say in who can stay there and who can't, right? Uh, and, you know, that leads to some controversy. But whenever you get businesses and corporations, you know, there may be people that, um you know, don't want tobacco companies. I mean, not even because the people might smoke, but they may not like ethically want those people there. Like, how much disclosure is there on two on both sides of that in terms of saying, I, I just don't want to support this kind of a business in my space versus, uh, you know, that's the perfect space. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. And look, at, at the end of the day, we can't let anybody do anything that's illegal. So discrimination of, of any sort is just not going to be tolerated. Uh, you know, it's, it's a gray, it's a gray area, but I think that there are just some things that just as the founder of this company, I just, I just won't stand for. And I know that that sounds like such a subjective thing, but at the end of the day, I want to create a company that provide something good in the world and not just a service, not just a product, but that creates goodwill. And so hate has no place on our platform. Speaking of your platform, so where can people learn more about Radius? Because it's not spelled the way people might think it is. Right. Yes. So Radius.pro R-A-D-I-O-U-S, which I didn't know this before, but in researching, figuring out what we were going to call our company, the word radius spelled in this way, actually, it is a word and it means radiant, which is a nice Ooh, little nice. bonus. <laughs> but the reason is... we called it radius is because we like to think that this is an opportunity for companies to expand their talent pool radius. 
your geographic radius. It's a chance for employees and just workers in general uh, to decrease their radius by not having to commute so much anymore, but increase their radius because now they're leaving their house. It's it's a subtle nod to the six-foot like radius it. that has been imposed <laughs> upon us. Right, and I think right. from a design perspective, it's kind of, there's, there's a lot of visual and you know visual imagery that comes to mind when you think of radii and degrees and stuff like that. So I think we'll have fun with it. Well, to bring us for a full circle, uh, which Anna <laughs> Anna loves Anna loves my dad jokes. It's 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 how I troll. Do Anna. I? Do yeah. I? <laughs> uh, this is news to me. <laughs> I, I I'm a huge fan of what you're doing because I think. Uh, one of the themes that we talk a lot about here is bringing opportunity back to Main Street and this sort of repeatable model that empowers small entrepreneurs, people that are investing in their communities. It it takes, you know, where you've got these lifeless conferences that might be at a box hotel on the side of a highway uh, and it brings it back into funky little, like, tailored like you, you can you can literally dial in the space that you want which is i think a big part of living and working in the way you want to yeah yeah you know there's there's also something that occurred to me a few weeks ago as we were thinking about the future of work and how the relationship between cities and suburbs and rural areas is going to be changing over the next few years and and decades even and i was nearly brought to tears by this thought that as people start buying real estate outside of the city, because now they don't really have to commute as much anymore. Maybe they do like twice a week, but now that longer drive isn't as big a deal because it's only twice a week instead of five. It's possible that over time, all of all of these city-dwelling liberals are going to be moving to more conservative, smaller town areas. And we are yes. all going to start <laughs> yeah. becoming neighbors. Yes. And if yes. I can play even an itty-bitty part in bridging divides, because my company creates community where otherwise it wouldn't have existed, then growing this company becomes my life purpose. Yeah. I love that. So that's a good place to wrap up. Um, I agree. We were just talking about that, I think, in an episode yeah. we recorded a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It, was, it, it's, just, it just came out yesterday. Oh, good. So, the the cultural yeah. integration that's coming. And it's yeah. going to be a challenge, but we need to build those bridges. Absolutely. So, Mina, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for creating Radius. And thank you for making time to talk with us today. This, is, this has been really fantastic. Anna, where can they learn more about us? Yeah, we have a website called thebraveworkforce.com. You can email that me. I have to update it. It's 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 very badly. I'm so I'm I'm so far behind. I want to so, just I, send like a filler. If you are uh, an intern somewhere <laughs> in wherever, 
would be lo- we love to hear from you. Global, yes. Yeah, we'll we'll train yeah. you. On we we all loved things, our interns. Yes. <laughs> on all things audio we production, website posting, autonomy, we have a lot of skills we can train you on. Uh, plus, you know, collectively, I think we have at least what a hundred years of experience. Are we that old? Um, <laughs> yes, between between Trip and I, easily, yeah. and you had at least a couple, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> that you can learn from. Um, but other than that, my email is Anna at the Brave Workforce dot com. Uh, send me your applications, and we'll take you if you want to update our website for us <laughs> and our social media. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Trip, you want to so. walk us out? No, not really. <laughs> Larry, Larry, you always delegate. You're so good at delegating. But this I week, know. I want you to walk us out. Well, everybody listening, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Better days are ahead. <laughs>